Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting from the University of beautiful British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 223. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And yeah, just to reiterate, this has been a crap weekend. <laughs> if you're a White Cats fan, crap. If you're a Scotland fan, crap. If you're a Canadian fan, crap. Kendall Waston fan? Yeah, not, uh, not bad. Yeah, bad. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll give him that. Wanting to see America lose and not in the World Cup <laughs> fan? Crap. Yeah, it was, uh, there were some disappointing results I was really feeling for you. After yeah. the, uh, was it was a 1-0 win on Thursday? 1-0. 1-0. With, uh, I think, 88th or 89th minute goal. You may have heard me screaming in Langley, <laughs> officially out now of going to Russia. Trying to be cathartic, I am wearing a Slovenia top. Yeah, we'll tweet uh, it out. It's very, very old. I, I got it years ago after being at a soiree with the Slovenian ambassador in Edinburgh. Don't hate Slovenia. A little bit today. But that's all I'm going to mention about Scotland until we get to Wavelength, where I've got a very personal song in Wavelength. Self-indulgent, you may say. Wait, are they all not? I thought this was supposed to be the last in the football violence series. No, I, I scrapped the football violence song for tonight. So you're not going to condone it tonight? You're no. going to join us in condemning it? No. I might trash the studio in my, my anger of rethinking that game and then what we're about to talk about next. Well, that happens when you usually dance, but yeah. True. So let's move on from the bad news of Scotland to the bad news of the Whitecaps. And whatever that was in New Jersey. Yeah. What was that? It was something. It started as a, was that was a 3-5-2? started off as a 3-5-2, and a little bit of a surprise, but we'll hear from Robbo later on in, in this first part, where he said that they've tried that before, and it, it's been successful, and I'm thinking, uh, sort of, what? When? Can you think of any times we've experimented to a flat back three and it's gone well? I think he might be referring, I'm just guessing, but this is my first thought. He might be referring to the first leg of the Voyager's Cup against Montreal. So, yep, 3-5-2. And we knew there was going to be some changes to the starting lineup. Kendall was away, Jordy was away, Stefan Marinovic, who'd obviously started the week before, was away. But 
may or may not have been starting anyway. We'll kind of come to that whole goalkeeping thing when we look ahead to the next weekend's match. But the personnel that was there, for me, was not the right personnel to be playing a 3-5-2. It's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, especially when you saw how they turned out. I, I don't I don't understand it either. Like this, I think they would have been fine with the same formation they've had. Well, Rob said after they only had one day to work in it. So I think the way that training had gone on Tuesday it looked like it was going to be a four-two-three-one, and then he must have thought, you know, New York goes three at the back. I think we can counter that by going like for like, and then they only had one day to work in it, which for me is kind of crazy. At the same time, though, right. if you're going to experiment. Having clinched your playoff place, yeah, I guess is a good time, well, does maybe. It? But if you're playing a three-five-two, for me, Jordan Harvey, who I like, I know he gets a lot of folk ragging on him. I think he brings a lot to the team, but not in a three-five-two. And if you're going to play him in a three-five-two, you don't play him as part of the five. That made no sense to me whatsoever. Surely you'd play him as the three and have De Jong on that left wing. I just don't think the personnel that was there was the the right ones. And let's just kind of look a little bit how the game played out. I don't want to go into the game in too much detail because I almost fell asleep during the first half. It, it was tough to watch. I didn't get to watch it live. I rushed home from commentating at UBC for that. That was well worth rushing home for. I was hopeful. I did think we would take something from it. Of course, we've never lost at Dead Bowl yeah. Arena. We never, we've never, we've always taken taken points from there. I forgot you were doing the game, so I texted you because yeah. I was going to ask you something, and I was like, "Yeah, he might be doing one of his things." And then you're like, uh, "I'm not watching." Well, uh, tickets not going well, and I was like, "Well, you just watch when you get home." I, so let, let's quickly look at the first half. Chance for New York initially. Lawrence was unmarked at the top of the box from a corner. Harvey blocked it. Kind of, I don't know if he got a shout from Ousted or not because he seemed very angry after blocking it. Or I don't know if it was just the space that Lawrence had at the top of the box. No, it's hard to tell. I think uh, I think he was. Um, I think it was a good block. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, and I, but I think Elsted had it anyways. Uh, but you know, you have to do what you have to do at that point. You're worried about it deflecting off him and going in the net, but yeah. it didn't go. Then came the first goal, which I, I think what we can take from that goal. I mean, we've talked about them not having possession in, in recent weeks. What I think we can take from that first New York goal was the Caps just shouldn't attack. If you attack, you just leave yourself open to the counter-attack. Vancouver were Vancouvered. Royer came in, 1-0. Could Ousted have done better? Did he go down a little bit too early? I think he did. A little bit of that, a little bit of Jake not Jake, getting yeah. Yeah. back as fast as J- he should I think that's what I might have actually t- been texting you about. Because ah. uh, Jake... Jake he he didn't follow his man. Like he yeah. didn't follow his man. Didn't say goal side on his man. His man cut in front and finished it's, off. A nice it's play. also possible that he was a little confused because, like you said, uh, there's not much training with that formation. Yeah. Did they? Did he not not used to playing at wing back? And should have they play that? Was he expecting Aaron to pick up his man? Yeah, it, but it, potentially there's potential for that. But when you watch it, it looks like he just pauses or hesitates and lets lets Royer go by him. So one hour at half time, Robo switches it up, went with uh, a change of formation, which the commentators on the TV weren't sure about. Watching at home, I wasn't sure about. I think it was four two three one. Yeah, was it four two three one? It was almost a four three three. Was it a four four one one? Did anyone know? 
Did it really matter? Because we didn't have the ball that much to, to see how they were, they were going back and forth with it. Well, we didn't have the ball that much, but I think the possession on the night was like 43 or something, It right? was better than it has been, yeah. which I, I think is which another thing. Which might be the reason yeah. why, yeah. Don't attack, don't hold the ball. That's yeah. how we get our wins. Yeah. That's You're saying we had the ball too much. Yeah. Okay, right. Three minutes in, I stayed a great save from Adams. He was outstanding. Got to say that for a, a young lad. He looks very, very impressive. We'll come to our own lad later in the segment as well, our own young guy. Um, where was Harvey for that one as well? Or, or the DMs? He just seemed to be allowed so much room, which seemed to be the story of the night. Then I went to 2-0 just before the hour mark. Another goal that should never have happened. It was it was shocking for me by Aaron Mond, who I just think had a horrific display out there. You've brought in an experienced guy, got rid of Christian Dean, and folk are like, oh... I mean, I was one of them. It's like, oh, well, sad to see Christian go, but we're bringing in this guy that's highly thought of by the RSL fans. He's got experience in the league. He's done well. First game with Kendall, he was okay. Nothing spectacular, but looked solid. Last night, though, or yesterday afternoon, oh, not good at all. And it could be, again, the the, the fact that he's playing the three-man back. Yeah. And maybe not used to it. And he never played yeah. with Parker before like yeah, that. And that, he never played with DeAndre like that. That, that was before. the thing as well. Like, never having played with Parker, they didn't have a great chemistry. They didn't have a great understanding. No. And you have to give Bradley Wright Phillips a tip of the hat as well. It was a lovely little chipped finish. 2 0, nothing Eisted could do with that one. And then the third goal, you got uh, Kleschen, uh getting his initial cross blocked. And then he is able to just, you know, poke it out to the box. And then yeah. Felipe just. Did, uh, did it take it? It took a deflection. Yeah. Right? Was that I, off, oh, yeah, definitely off, off, off Mond. Off Mond, was I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure so who I'm was going to blame Mond again for that. He kind of just stuck his foot out instead yeah. of really throwing his body in the line. It really or... took it into the side netting. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. And I stayed closing minutes, came up with a couple more saves, which yeah. kept it at three. The subs that were introduced did add a little bit of a spark. So there was that. But by that point, anything, I think, would have added a bit of a spark for the Whitecaps. It was just such a flat be- performance... Before we go any more into that, let's just hear what the, what the coaches had to say. So we're going to hear first from Jesse Marsh. Then, of course, we'll hear from Robbo. So let's hear now from the gaffers. Who are the Warriors? September was difficult for us and disappointing. You know, we were all disappointed um, with the results, but we continued to feel that we were playing well. And it was just a matter of time before we were going to start to have it add up more. Uh, in terms of getting the result now, uh, it's good in terms of re- releasing some anxiety about making the playoffs. But the key for us will be to continue to have urgency and, and hunger uh, to to improve and play in meaningful matches because once playoffs come, uh, you know now it's it's uh, do or die time. So uh, that'll be key for us in the next few weeks. Jesse, what is the feeling inside the locker room now? Because finally, you not just beat Vancouver, but you beat them handedly three 0 tonight after all the past matches you had against yeah. them. I mean, what's the well, feeling in, like? in general? In general, I think it, it take Van, you know take Vancouver out. But I think to, we've been dominating many performance uh, games. We've been controlling many games, but we've been walking away what feels like empty-handed. Some of them were ties, but f- walking away feeling like, how, how do we not get three points on the day? So 
that can the, the key for me has been to continue to urge this group on and to have belief that even though the three points haven't been coming that we're there and we're close and and it's just about a few little details so that's what was uh very important about tonight is that we not only we had a great start we dominated a game for 90 minutes we control almost every aspect of the game and then we get a big a big win so uh now it's it's key for us to continue in that rhythm so that when the 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 most meaningful matches come we are really prepared and really ready you mentioned about details um this was a game where you didn't have one mistake um, yeah, it was 18 to three in shots. Nobody getting on goal. Nobody bad pass back. I mean, what was the focus this week and or the last week and a half or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I've been challenging our defenders. Okay, I've been challenging them to perform at a higher level because we've made too many mistakes. And you know, it's it's key to have a supportive environment, but it's key to also be realists and and we have had too many guys make too many mistakes back there that have cost us too much and we felt like if we could shore that up if we could find the right balance of personnel and performance in the back that the rest will take care of itself because there's a lot of good things happening so um you know got three good performances from the guys uh at center back and then uh, i thought tyler again was phenomenal phenomenal and Connor had another good performance as well. So that's going to be key. It's going to be key for us to uh, the shoring up the defense is going to be about how good our defenders are on the day and how many plays they can make. Yeah, we were slightly off it from the first whistle. Uh, we were a yard behind. We, we weren't our usual self. We didn't have energy. And, and credit to New York. They started very brightly. It was a, they took it as a playoff game. Obviously, the first goal was always crucial. They managed to get it. And then we were chasing the game a little bit. So um, overall, a bad night. Um, but there, there were some positives out of it. Yeah, we've done it at certain times this year, and it's worked. And today we thought it would give us the best opportunity, and we got caught in between. You know, we only had one day to work at it. Obviously, after Kansas City last week, so you know, it's, it's my responsibility that as the coach, when you put a team out or a formation out, and you know, we changed it at halftime. We looked a lot more better. But if you give if you give bad goals away. You give opportunities and you're not sharp and fresh, which we weren't against a good team. You're always going to pay, and, and today we paid. Made some changes uh, around the 54th. Just their immediate impact to the game kind of changed it a little bit there. They did all subs that come on with Bright. You know, Nico is banged up in there. Uh, he brought energy to the game, and he was disappointed he didn't start the game uh, in hindsight. And it's a wonderful thing that maybe I should have. But the subs who made an impact, you know, who played made an impact when they come on, and that's what you want substitutes to do. So. You know, even at 3-0, we didn't go under, which was really important, but it was a bad day at the office. With uh, the continued progression for Ali Gazelle, it seemed to be one of his better matches today. Yeah, he, he did the jobs very well. I think in football, the fundamentals are very key. And today, I don't think we've done the fundamentals very well or, or good enough. Ali did. Ali was breaking up plays and playing simple and, and doing that. And when you're, you're behind by one or two goals, which we were, then the pitch seems bigger and it seems longer. And, you know, they're a good, they're a good passing team. So credit to them today. Obviously, we're disappointed in there, uh, but we'll get back to work next week. Team uh, has been in this place almost a week and some ago. Just uh, are you looking for a similar bounce back performance after the Seattle 2KC? Listen, we've lost one game of football. You know, if you would have said between Kansas City and New York we were going to win one game and lose, you know, you probably would have snapped your hand off because it's difficult to play away from home. Um, so we have to take that on the chin. It wasn't our day to day. Um, we know we need to be better individually and collectively. Um, but we'll get four or five players back after the international break, which will be key as well. You know, we didn't talk about those players missing in the start because I've got confidence in my squad. Today, it didn't quite work. He's the guy, but-
both the gaffers there. Ah, you, you can take a few issues with some of the things that, that Robo said there. We've talked about some already. One of the things he said, though, was there's a few positives to take from the game. Can anyone give me any? No, okay. That we didn't lose no, by more than three goals? No, this, I think, goes back to when we spoke to him a few weeks yeah. ago. He's staying positive, cause he, and then he's going to take the criticism. It takes off, it deflects from some poor performances and an overall team performance that I think most people would say was poor. Yeah. Which you you, you would say after any 3 no, three no Oh, loss. yeah. Well, let's look at some of those performances. Aaron Morn we touched upon there, not having a, a great outing in defence. Alfonso Davies as well. Second straight star and no impact whatsoever, which I put out on Twitter last night and a lot of people replied saying, how can he have an impact when he was basically left isolated as was Montero? They were getting no yeah. help at all from the midfield. Yeah, he was central, right? He was kind yeah. of supposed to be like the 10. See, we yeah, well, that's before. it because Alfonso as a 10, I think, could have worked. And it's something that I know, speaking to Robo, kind of just chatting at training a couple of times, it's something that he would like to look at. He thinks Alfonso can play that position, but he just he didn't look very good in that game at all. No. Well, it was a dis- disappointing performance, and he wasn't alone. But again, it's a, it was a different position that they they were Robo, trying to throw into. Yeah, Robbo said they haven't yeah. even trained in much. So what do you do? You, obviously, we, we would have loved for him to you know kind of maybe break out of this bit of a poor form that he's been in. But is it shocking that he he didn't have an amazing game? I I don't think you can be too shocked by it. And and. I know it's been a while, but I still think he's probably might uh, no, not probably he might be carrying something like a niggle or something like that that he's just still working. He through. was banged up. Remember, he looked like the Invisible Man with all the bandages and tape he had on him at some point yeah. during the summer. So, so he might it might be just small little things, and he's just working through it. That, that he's probably not in perfect uh, like top form yeah. yet. Christian Teixeira came back from Uruguay and then travelled to join the team. Didn't meet up with them until Thursday night. And then didn't even dress, which I, I thought was a bit of a weird one. Noza Ijibor, we were told that we would probably get a chance to see him off the bench. Named to the bench, but not brought on. And that one I do find strange because that was your chance to bring him on. The game had gone. You had a sub left. Yeah. Bring the guy on. Let's just get his feet wet in the league and see what he can do. Well, no, it was very surprising. And like like you said, there's nothing. there was nothing really to lose at that point. You yeah. might as well put him on and then see what he can do. Tony Chani, another guy that oh, yeah. didn't have a great a, game. Not a good game for not a good game for him at all. Uh, he yeah, he looked very very poor. You you hope it's you. The one thing I think you hope from this is that it doesn't lead. It's just, like it's a one off. It doesn't it doesn't lead into kind of uh, the beginning of a, of a stretch of poor form for for certain yeah. players. Like like some people are obviously saying about Alfonso, he's been in a poor run of form since the Gold Cup or shortly thereafter or whatever. You hope that a, a game like this doesn't lead to that for certain other yeah. players. Yeah, it's easy to find a marker for for players, for teams, for performances. For example, the Whitecaps after they got that thrashing four 0 in Chicago, went on a good run and then they kind of finished that run with this horrible performance against Seattle, then this horrible performance against New York. Taking the Seattle one out of it, because I know exactly what, what Zach would say if we gave him the option. What what defeat felt worse, that 4-0 by Chicago or that 3-0 by New York? 
I think the 3-0 because of the fact that Chicago was on such a, a, a run at that time that you don't, it was like, you know, whatever, they were they were just flying at that time. Here, New York was kind of struggling to pick up wins, and you go in there and you kind of let them off the hook, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. It's That was a game that you felt you could win. Robo said, as you heard there afterwards, if you told him he would get three points from either KC or New York, he'd have been delighted with that. If you told everyone, yeah, you're going to finish those two games with three points, you're going to assume it's going to have been from New York. So that did feel like a disappointing loss. I know they were fighting to clinch their playoff spot, etc., etc., but yeah, that should have been a much better performance. Ali Gazal got the official man of the match. Anyone feel anyone else deserved it? Um, I, I thought just because of the fact that I don't think he was really in too, for in for too much of blame for the goals. I think David Elstead, especially the few saves, he kind of made it somewhat respectable. He didn't make it into a laughing stock game, so I think he I think he deserves a little bit of credit. I don't know man of the match, but I think he stood out a little bit. It's hard to give a man of the match to anybody in that game. Yeah, yeah. As, as Colin Miller once told me, individual awards have no place in football. Um, and when you lose, why do you need a man of the match? No, I think they should have just given point. They just yeah. should have given that cup, uh, given it away in the next game to the fans. Yeah, I think this is the second time they've had this now. But Tim Parker's family all and Jake Nerwinski's yeah, as well. Jake's there was family, a, yeah. going out three hundred or so altogether combined. Yeah, the massive group of them. And well, there might be some Red Bull fans among them. Yeah, They're no, happy. no, no. Ah, oh, well. So, a horrible performance. But anyway, we'll be back with some. More upbeat news after this. Panamá, Zamora River, Richazo de Honduras con Eddie Hernández. Celso la devuelve. Brian con Rodney Wallace. En el Rodney, de nuevo para Brian. La hizo bien. El capitán engancha. El capitán va. El capitán aparece. Brian en el centro. Brian That just sends shivers down your spine. Kendall Waston, El Capitano. His wonderful goal. Brilliant call there from the Costa Rican commentators. Going absolutely crazy. The song as well, if you wanted to check that out, it's by a Costa Rican band, Nino Coy. I was looking for bands, and this was actually a rock band that actually doesn't have vocals. They just play acoustic. Like music. Yeah, so it's, it's a really good band. I, I love the music. It was incredible. I mean, yes. I mean, it's been a depressing weekend, right? You talk yeah. about this was but the shining light of the weekend. Yes. That's one of my two favorite goal calls of the weekend. The other one, which I tweeted out today, the was Egyptian the Egyptian one. Yeah. one. Oh, yeah. The guy was in tears. It's just, it just meant so much to them. No, Oh, oh well, the, that the, one as well. The, but the yeah, action. the commentator was like sobbing. As well, it was just absolutely incredible. But Kendall's goal, 
just shows you what a talent he is and just what it meant to him. I love this little the ce- dance. The celebration. Yeah. Unbelievable. And just the, the faces of the fans. Even if they'd lost the match, they're still going to Russia. But you want to clinch it at home. You want to make sure at home. And to do it in the what, 95th, 96th minute, wow. Steve and I were talking about this before you got here. It's like he'll forever be a part of Costa Rican footballing history. Yes. In he'll be the guy that secured their, their 2018 their birth. Yeah. Yeah. It's so happy for him. Yeah. It's on, yeah. So proud I love, of him. I love the guy. He's just on the pitch, he's such a beast. Off the pitch, he's the complete dad. opposite. Yeah. He's just such a great guy to speak to. His wife Priscilla's lovely. Yeah. Just a whole lovely family. Yeah. yeah, they're awesome. So couldn't be happier for him. Well done to Costa Rica. Look forward to seeing the big man in Russia next year. Whether it'll be a white cap before, after, we, we don't know. I think he will be before. After it, who knows? If he has a really good World Cup, someone's going to come in for him. I'm, I'm still, I'm still surprised to this day that a, a player like that, who who shows, you know, his size, his ability to clear the ball out of the box, his ability to, because we've seen him sometimes running up the pitch. Yeah. Like sometimes he'll just burn it up, and he's got fleet yeah. foot for a, a center back. That why hasn't he got a look from Europe already? It's it's surprising to me. And because he hasn't left here, doesn't mean there hasn't been interest. Yeah. Oh, okay. He he does love it here. Yeah. And he could probably easily go and play in the championship in England, for example. Whether he would want to, to do that, I think he would. But is he good enough to play in the premiership? His age kind of maybe goes a little bit against him. And he's an international and all that kind of stuff. I, I think he can. He's cleared up his disciplinary matters, which was a big, big thing that I think was holding him back. And he's had a great year. We talked about it a few shows back. For me, he's the White Cats player of the year. Yeah, I think the age thing is one thing that is difficult. He's, is he 29 now? 29. 30, I think he'll be 30 after the World Cup. Okay, yeah. So that's obviously if you're going to go to a place like Europe, then you don't have, as yeah. a center back, you well, don't have. But they just sold Jelly Van Dam, the big jelly man. He's 33. Yeah, but, oh, well. Yeah. yeah. But that goal clinched Costa Rica's spot in Russia. Mexico, they're there as well. The rest of the CONCACAF standings, it does look like the States are, are going to do it. It looks like they'll finish third, barring a calamity in Trinidad and Tobago, which could happen. Let's go TNT. Could still happen that they lose in Trinidad and Tobago. Mexico don't care in Honduras. Panama win as well. And then America finish fifth. No, they can't come fifth, can they still? They can. Oh, they can. They can. Oh, yeah. Because well, all, oh, yeah, all the stars have to align. Right? Yeah, all uh, or stripes. <laughs> Yeah, Honduras and Panama have 10 points apiece and the US have right. 12. Right. So Honduras's goal difference is so poor that they're basically out. The, the other good thing, if you watch the video of Kendall's goal, is y- you see the frustration and the anger from the Honduras players. Number five. A guy that's like, absolutely I don't thumping know. Yeah. You watch, the dugout. You watch one of them, you can see uh, our good friend Romo Kyoto. Nah, yeah, he's not too happy. That, that would have been heartbreaking for them. Yeah. But meh. <laughs> I've had my heartbreak today, so screw them. Yeah, I don't think there's too many Canadians who have any love loss. I, for I don't think so at all. And in the last show as well, we, we talked a lot about the World Cup qualifying. We talked about the Conball standings. Jordi Reyna, we said, oh, at least he's not going to Peru. And then two days later, he's, he's off to Peru. He's out there. On Didn't La- play, though. Yeah, he's at La Bombonera putting up like live Instagram stuff. Yeah. I'm just hanging out in the stadium. That... On Tuesday is going to be absolutely immense. Yeah, you've got all these teams going for the the spots, and the weird thing 
is, like, right now Brazil have qualified. Six more teams are in with a shot yeah. of qualifying either automatically or in the playoff uh, against New Zealand. New Zealand. Only two of those six teams are playing each other as well. Peru and Colombia, that's the one that's playing right. each other. So there's a good chance one of those two teams could not make it. Well, there's a good chance Chile might not make it. Yeah. Well, Colombia just slipped up at home against Paraguay. Which yeah, late goals. Collapsed at the death as well, yeah. It was, a, the, the Common Bowl, it was an interesting weekend in Common Bowl qualifying. It certainly was. And right now, Uruguay's second on 28. They look, they're guaranteed, if nothing else, in the playoff spot. Chile third, 26, Colombia fourth, 26, Peru fifth, 25, holding on to that playoff spot. I watched the Peru-Argentina game, and it wasn't a classic game, but Argentina pummeled the Peruvian box and just did not get the breaks. It's shocking how poor Argentina has been in this round of qualifying. So few, they have less than a goal a game, if I'm correct. I think they played 17 games, have like 16 goals. I did have a song tonight for Argentina not qualifying, but... I'm going to use that in next week's Bay for Length. Oh, yeah. I still think that might be the case. Yeah, save that. So a lot of fun coming up on Tuesday. Looking forward to watching those games play out. That's taken up a lot of the headlines this week, but there's been a lot more football headlines as well, which brings us now to BC Soccer Web Headlines. Couple of couple of headlines uh, that we're just just to browse over. Uh, FIFA U seventeen World Cup. How FIFA plans to catch age frauds? So they're going hard after. Um, this all kind of stems back when there was a kid from Nigeria who looked like he was forty one or forty, uh, but sorry, he was actually he, he was actually under seventeen when they did the test. So uh, since then they they just they just do it on everybody. Seems like now. Yeah. Next article, Lazio, part of the Stadio Olimpico to be closed for two games after uh, some racist chanting. Yeah, I don't, honestly, and I don't mean to sound, I don't know why that's news. Like that, that's oh, not, I only that's put that in. Yeah, something that happens all the time. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I only put that in because the, the section's called the Curva. Oh. No, the, all, ends of, all ends of the Italian just, stadiums are referred to as the, as the Curvas. I know. I know what Italian fans are like. And I wanted you to uh, educate people on that. Well, I'll, we'll talk to Marco Carducci about his beloved Lazio and their support. <laughs> Barcelona president confirms La Liga exit a possibility over Catalan independence. That, that was interesting. That, yeah, Come on, the Catalans. It's like, where are they going to... The, the, the video and the pictures are crazy this past week. And you wonder, like... Uh, where they could go, they were mentioning uh, the Premier League mm-hmm. uh, because Wales uh, has come over from there. So they're they're they might it'd be weird to see Barcelona in there. There's all like Rangers and Celtic have been linked with going to the Premier League for years as well. Yeah. Which most folk in Scotland, that's not old firm fans, just want them to get the hell out of Scotland. So they'd yeah. be quite happy with that. Next article: uh, startup soccer company Soccer Roof aims to grow a beautiful game in New York City. It's basically they're building um, a mini st- uh, like uh, fields on the rooftops. Which Sim- I, I love, but getting your ball back if you overhit it could be well, a bit of a problem. They have fences. It's similar so, to how they have... So a massive problem for you. Yeah. Uh, they have to do, like the tennis courts. They will have like roofs and uh, uh, fetching like, fences and everything. Keep the balls I, I can still get it over that. <laughs> you know, you cage it and you put a roof. Yeah. Don't let Robert Enshaw take any free kicks. Uh, a couple of MLS stories. Uh, uh, MLS appoints Diego uh, Moratari, uh, general manager of MLS Canada. Um, kind yeah. of the kind of advertising promotion, kind of help out the Canadian teams with that, I guess. Basically, they've launched a marketing office. Yeah, yeah, because they because they realize they, s- they haven't done enough, 
and they realize other people are about to take advantage of it. And, and CPL. They, yeah, and they also they see skip. that Toronto's walking away and they want to cash in on that. Walking away with Supporters Shield. Not walking away as in they're going to leave no. MLS. Although, we'll just throw that out now. If Toronto <laughs> want to leave and go to the CPL, very happy for them. Congratulations. They could definitely dominate that one. Mm. Uh, Nashville unveils stadium funding proposal as MLS <laughs> expansion bid becomes a favorite. Now, I think this yeah. was a little bit overshooting as them becoming a favorite. I forget the name of the guy that was tweeting out, oh, big news, breaking news, everyone. Nashville's going to get announced as the, the next Steve, MLS expansion. Steve Reuter? Possibly, yeah. Let that be a lesson to everyone. Breaking news... When it's not news, makes you look idiotic. Wait until you get confirmation. You don't always have to be first. You have to be accurate. Wasn't he going on internal, like, or sources? I think he misunderstood. Oh. Okay. There's it, no way Nashville should get in ahead of the likes of Yeah, but this is MLS. This is MLS, man. Cincinnati. This is MLS. I know. It, 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 I know it's all TV markets, and it's like, oh, we've got nothing in this area, and all that and kind of And the hip, crap, young but. demographic in Nashville, yeah. D- don't... I would. It would be ridiculous for them to get in above these proper football communities. I, I think eventually there are going to be like Wait. I know he said. I know, I know Don Garber has said uh, twenty four teams. I think he's going to go to thirty thirty two easily. Well, yeah. well Nashville's starting in the USL next year. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this is if if they do if they do get an MLS team, this is again off the off the backs of kind of what has happened in Chattanooga. And, and all that they've done there, right? And so, yeah, it's people looking to cash in on where they think they they can make some money, which is understandable because, in one sense, because that's one side of things. But it's definitely not the whole thing. Next article, we got uh, FC Dallas may have used ineligible player against Orlando City. This was interesting. <laughs> yeah. and this been, was very interesting. Has there been any update at all? There has. Okay. They've been fined. Well, that's it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's off. Yes. So this is one of two situations this year because there was another situation earlier this year with the the impact. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't as heinous as this, but it was something where uh, a player shouldn't have played or been in a roster or whatever. Um, it's kind of disappointing in one sense, um, but it's understandable in another. Like there's no way they were going to take points away and, and change the playoffs. No, but the hilarious thing is the fine as well. It's not even monetary. It's invisible money. Oh, it's gam They've money? been fined gam. Oh. It's like, you're joking. You're finding them money that isn't real. Wow. Well, I mean, it does affect them, but yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's... Dallas, though, did issue a statement saying they sought clarification from the referees as to whether they yes, could use them as a did, substitute. Yes, yes I heard so that. So it isn't Dallas's fault in oh, a way. And maybe, I, then I, that's, maybe that's yeah, the reason they didn't I do, do anymore. I would say I do feel for Dallas in that regard. They did get given the wrong information, but everyone should know that, club and officials. Oh, wait, well, you know wait, what? Wait, all, they, all they need to do is put in a couple extra shifts, they'll get that gam right back. You're, yeah. saying, you know, you're saying pro referees are incompetent in, in, in certain areas? Yes. Okay. I'm I, I, I would, I, not even going to say pro referees. Referees. <laughs> I'll just, I'll pro the, is the name of their the union. The guy that I just saw at the <laughs> SFU game last night, when you've got both teams screaming right. at you. Also, if anyone was listening to the feed of the SFU game, my apologies for the foul mouth tirade I launched at the referee at one point in the second half. But if they're going to put a camera beside me when I'm standing on the bleachers, that's going to happen. <laughs> I heard, like, Montana. Montana mobbed yeah. him. They should have had a penalty in the, like, five seconds to go. 
and he just waved it on and they went crazy. They were getting pulled back off him and yeah. NCAA is exciting stuff, but referees are incompetent all over. Couple articles from the lower leagues. Uh, USL president ensures compliance as league submits D2 application to US soccer. Basically, they're saying that there's, they're not going to need as many exceptions as they had last year. Um, and that might, yes. that might talk about you, the, what you revealed last week that some of these USL teams might not be in USL. Well, Va- Vancouver's gone. Yeah. And TFC. Hello, Fresno. And TFC's moving to. BMO. BMO slash Lamport or whatever. And it's, it's quite right. We talked about it last week. It's ridiculous. If that is the set criteria, then they need to meet it. But it's also ridiculous getting clubs that's maybe not drawn more than a 1,000 having to have 5,000 capacity stadiums as well, which then begs the question, should these clubs be in USL D2 or should they move to USL D3 when it launches in 2019? Yeah. Uh, next article, NPSL sends a letter of complaint to U.S. Soccer. Yes. Um, they're basically saying that their teams are getting poached uh, by PDL. Because yep. uh, they're both development leagues yeah. in a way. NPSL maybe don't think of themselves as such as a development league. But, and they do, they they have a, well, they've both got a wide range of number of teams. See, see we were looking at this earlier tonight. Is it 12 Oh, the, the 12 some, matches or 12 no, matches? No, some conferences play six. There was one that was played loaded at six games. There were some <laughs> up, up to 14. Oh, okay. it's, yeah. it's very Cause, weird. Because PDL's 14. PDL says you have, have to, to have at 14, least 14. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's very weird. I think they just everybody plays within their conferences, essentially. So, so basically, NPSL feels like their clubs are being tapped up by USL. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's been a lot of clubs that have moved as well. I, I think Kitsap Pumas went to the NPSL. Yeah. Um, and there's a Oregon club, I think, possibly in MPSL as well. I can't remember. But cause I, I was looking to see for sort of ground hopping on, on different vacations and stuff. But yeah, it's, it happens. It's like, is, is it poaching or is it just that... Recruiting? Yeah. Do they think, oh, this is a better league? It's a higher profile league. Well, yeah. I, I love the PDL. I Maybe this have. is their relegation and uh, <laughs> devotion that yeah. everybody talks about. You just just yeah. pick and choose which teams are going yeah, to go which, up. Which, depending on which other headlines you've got to cover, <laughs> might talk about that with uh, po- some comments that Paul Byrne made. No, I don't have anything with that. Oh, yeah, okay. So you'll you'll be so able to talk good. about that. Um, so good. Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay planning joint bid for 2030 World Cup. So a third team, mm. a third country, sorry, so added to that. I was surprised that Paraguay got added to that, yeah. but I, I mean, I Uruguay should get it. It's a hundred years since yeah. 1931. I talked before about a great book I've got on that and. I'd love to go. I'd, I've wanted to go to Montevideo since I read that book. So hosting the World Cup here in 2026 would be great. Then four years later, going to South America would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish that they could host it by themselves. We talked about it a, yeah. a number of weeks ago, how that's probably not feasible. And so it makes sense from the join with yeah. Argentina and now with Paraguay, I guess. Get the Falklands involved. Just create a big thing there <laughs> with England. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, that was to do with the song as well that I was going to play later. <laughs> I knew it. Last one, uh, a, a couple articles about the uh, Qatar uh, 2022. <coughs> Sorry, just some bad right? Qatar. Okay. Um, wh- one was a, a kind of a reiteration about uh, the workers that are working there, about them being slaves, not yeah. really workers. Um, but no one seems to care about it. Everyone talks about it. No one does anything about it. Yeah. And then, well, the only people they're saying that has, can do anything about it is FIFA because the yeah, government exactly. there is not going to do anything about it. No one... No one cares enough to actually do anything to save these people's lives. Now, there was also a, a risk report 
that was done uh, recently as well that was uh, brought up about the Qatar uh, 2022 World Cup, uh, advising maybe advertisers and sponsors that it's not going to happen there. It, it basically is saying that the um, uh, that it's a risky because of political situations mm. and everything like that. It might not be a good place to advertise. Um, so uh, it's it's interesting to see that. If it doesn't happen for whatever reason, because a lot of people are saying that it might not happen. This is not the first time that people have mentioned that. Could that up, up move can, uh, Canada, U.S., and Mexico's uh, bid to 2022? Or do uh, uh, another country like Morocco, who was going to bid for 2026, do they move up to 2022? I don't know. They're all quite close to each other, they? are kind of close to each other. <laughs> so does that, does, that, does that kind of... Um, is that kind of uh, oh okay? We're gonna give Zach a little bit here. That was just a call back to one of our extra podcasts. If if you don't subscribe, you miss out on all of this fun. So that was hilarious. Um, it, the article was really interesting. Um, this uh, it, it it's kind of there, there's some crazy stuff going on, obviously politically in the region where all basically all of Qatar's neighbors have. They formed a blockade. Yeah. They've cut off uh, Saudi Arabia's cut off the land their land border with them. Other nations have cut off their shipping. When, it's, it's it's bad. It's interesting. So yeah, it, so and part of the part of the article said is some people who are there's a group of like five project managers or whatever running running some of these major projects connected to the World Cup who have basically said because of the blockade and all these different things, their costs are going up like. 20 to 25 percent uh for some of this world cup infrastructure and so they're they're you know they're saying that the report is kind of valid but uh and then of course the response from the qataris is that no these are just people who are on the sides of of these other countries and that's why they're saying this they just want to ruin qatar but but they're being accused of like supporting terrorists and like all this it's 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 a complex i mean the whole thing it it just should not have been there and they're in a mess and there's been several times that I've thought they're going to take it away from them, and they, they just haven't. And then, like Steve mentioned, that was a risk report. If we want to talk about a risk that should be reported, right. yeah. did you see the Russian stadium? Oh, yeah. And the amendment that they did to put the extra yeah. seats in, which I thought was a spoof at first. Yeah. No. And it's like, oh, the drop off the back from the top seats, whoa. That is just absolutely ridiculous. I, I can't imagine someone showing up being like, yeah, I got a ticket. I got a ticket, whatever. Yeah. And then, Hopefully like, it's England fans. And then they get there and they're just like, yeah, I would not want to be in that stand. No. No. That that was bad. And w- one other thing we talked about there, not a, a headline as such yet on BC Soccer Web, but Paul Byrne had a meeting. I can't actually remember who it was with, but he was talking to a number of people about... The footy something or other. Yeah, it was an update on the on the Canadian PL. And one of the things that he said was he, having experienced promotion and relegation, because he was, he was over at Brighton, having experienced just how it is and lived in that environment, he wants that for the Canadian PL. So that is the goal, is to have Canadian PL promotion relegation. I still think it is a long-term goal, though, right? Yes. It's not going to be immediate. Yeah. Especially if you're starting just with a, a few teams. But there is 10 teams with interest. It does look like it's 2019 as the start day. That's what I was told this week. That's good to hear. <laughs> so, so they're not trying to rush into anything. Yeah, so. exactly. They yeah. need to take their time and get it right the yeah. first time. Yeah. So a lot of headlines there. Get that and a lot more on bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, links, and a lot more locally, nationally, and internationally. I'm feeling a bit of a better mood now. 
got it lot off your chest. Yeah, got some stuff out of my system there. You, you took off your Slovenia kit. I did. It's really tight. That is not a large, but anyway. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I was disappointed you didn't sing the national anthem that was in the collar. I'll, I'll do that if you want. That could be our... I'll do that. <laughs> Wavelength. Yeah. Next week's Wavelength, me singing Slovenian national anthems in a Slovenian accent, which will maybe sound like the vampire ad. <laughs> maybe not. But something which always makes me happy when I'm down is eating. And I think you'll agree with that, Zach, looking at how much you've stuffed your face during this show so far. But eating makes me happy. Like Mrs. Curva, if she finds not out in, that... Not in the studio. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> if Mrs. Curva finds out how much he's been eating, oh, she might not be too happy. I'm yeah. so tired. I had one little snack bar. It's okay. I just thought you were getting ready for a Christmas show. You are playing Santa this year on the show, so got to bulk up for that. But, yeah, I, I, I like to eat. You'll notice a lot of the segments we've done with the players recently have all been about food. Is this the new one? This is another oh. new one. You only do segments once you have, like, a song that you really love, right? That You told us that once before. Yes. Yeah, okay. Which is the, the song which is going to be the outro for this segment. Okay. So, it's all about takeaways, takeout food. And, of course, we can't kick off a new segment unless it's with Jordan Harvey. Might have trouble with that next year. But for now, this is Take Me Out with Jordan Harvey. Take me out! So, Jordan, you're at home at night. You can't be bothered cooking. What is your take-out food of choice? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, and it, it's hands down. It's a place on Denman called La Katrina. It's like a little uh, taco bar. And uh, I've been pretty vocal throughout my years here that I love my Mexican food. And that place is unbelievable. I recommend the uh, Carnitas tacos there are so good. And it... And it's uh, easy takeout on like the Just Eat online, yeah, and they deliver like it right to your door. It's so amazing. And so, yeah, usually on like a, a Sunday when we have a next day off, we'll do the takeout thing, and that's, that's what we go to. The Addicts there with Chinese Takeaway. Yes, that was the song that I had to just do a whole section about. There you go. So Even you, though he didn't want Chinese food, but still, it's okay. Have you ever been to uh, this place? No, but I, I'm going to check it out. Okay. And I got a lot of tips from some of the other players that we've got for this section as well, so I'm going to check them all out. And We, we should go there before one show or something. We should. Yeah. It sounds a really nice place. And Jordan Harvey, being a California lad, he knows his Mexican food. Carnitas. Mm. So that should be good. So, let's get to some tweets now, and we'll get back onto some Whitecaps chat as well. Tweet, tweet. lot of interesting discussing points over the weekend. Um, All positive, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Why Why would they not be? Joe Deasy, AFTN writer. He just got married, right? He did, like, yes. A couple weeks ago. Congratulations, Congratulations Joe. Yeah. Cheesy Deasy. Yeah. He wants to know, why are the Whitecaps so inconsistent? <laughs> so, let's spend a couple of hours looking at that. Shoe Thief, as well, wants us to explain exactly why. So, over to you, Zach. Why are the white cats so inconsistent? 
Well, I, I mean, obviously, this last match, I think we, we already discussed it. it. It had to do in part with the formation. Did you say the, we discussed it or we're disgusted? Yeah, probably both. Mm. But uh, the other thing, which we maybe didn't talk about earlier, which I know a lot of people were, uh, is the fact that we didn't have Kendall Waston and we didn't have Jordi Reyna. And yeah. we didn't have Christian Baños or Stefan Murnovich. Yes. So uh, that is that is a reason. However, I don't think you can blame it solely on that. Like, you need to be able to have games where you can get by without them. Like, they did in, in Kansas City, Yeah. to be fair, for the most part. With, no, no, Kendall did play there. Yeah, Kendall yeah, did but, play Kansas But then there's a lot of squad rotation. So, I mean, it's easy to put it down to that. But at the same time, you've, you're looking at B players have come into a number of games and they've played really well. Yeah. And then they come into some other games and then they don't. So it's, it's inconsistent all round. It is the nature of football to an extent. But it's hard to put your finger on exactly why we've been so up and down. It is almost like two weeks good, one week bad, or sometimes two weeks bad, one week good. But that's the thing. We talked about this earlier this season, Michael. I remember talking specifically in the, about you in the past, how you used to feel we were terrible because we'd go on these terrible runs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this year it's there's no there hasn't so far has not been a long run of poor yeah. poor form. Let's hope we're not hitting that yeah. now. It's essentially a roller coaster, a really quick yeah. roller coaster that dips and dives and goes up and quickly and comes back down. The other important factor about the double game that we didn't talk about was Eric Hurtado's new hairstyle. I was trying not to talk about that. That was not a good look. It was what kind of braid? Is that like a French it's braid? Cornrows, I thought it was almost. Was that, okay, cornrows. So you're saying consistency with hairstyle? You're asking me about hair. That's I'm not really the <laughs> ideal person to to have that discussion. But like going back to what you're saying about Reina and Boston, we're missing. Yeah. Now TFC get a lot thrown at them. You're a two man team. It's all Outdoor and Javinko. Or a three man team, bro. bro uh, yeah. Could I guess? I just don't like them. He doesn't know hair. Don't trust anyone with no hair. Yeah. But. I, is it fair to say the White Cats are a two-person team? If you take Waston and Reina out, does it fall fall down defensively and in attack? Well, you Obviously, you've got Montero. You but. can't really say that about Reina because Reina's only showed up uh, in July, started playing, so he they were he was away for half the year, anyways. And they were winning at that point. But that's also been some of their finest form, and he has yeah. five goals in their all-match yeah. winners. But I, I tweeted out yesterday. It is easy to pin yesterday's loss on Waston and Reina being missing, but it was way deeper than that. It was formation, it was experimenting at the wrong time, it was players seemingly not knowing what they were meant to do, where they were meant to be. And there was was also, whether the, the, uh, you can say that there was formation, but there was definitely a lack of effort. I don't know what lack of effort, but. They didn't feel, yeah. They they didn't didn't feel feel oomph. They were putting a little bit, there was something missing, an edge missing on them. Which we don't often see at home. So going into the San Jose game, whatever the lineup is, whoever's starting, whoever's in the 18. You expect them to come out just flying because they've put a they've put a priority on home on home matches in some ways in the league, and I think I think it'll come up with a, a very very strong lineup. Yeah, and I guess that brings us nicely then to San Jose, and we'll also kind of look in this section as well, just like how the West is shaping up. As things stand just now, that the loss in New York didn't hit the Whitecaps too bad. Luckily. Yep. Because they confirmed a home cup match. Yeah. KC dropped points in Minnesota. They're three points behind now with a game in hand. If they win that, we have more wins on the board. I think so. Everything should be fine. We're still top. We still just need three points to clinch a top two place. We may need six. We may need four to, to clinch a number one seed. Not the end of the world to me if we don't. I 
would be quite happy being number two, having that first leg at home and being away in the second leg, just because of how we play. We can nip a goal away from home easier than trying to defend something, I think, at home that we've done on the road. The way that the rest of it is looking, we know the top. We know there's the top four, we know there's the teams after that. The teams that's battling to get in just now, San Jose's right in the mix. What are you expecting from this matchup on Sunday? Are you expecting a San Jose team that feel we've got to go and do this and go all out at the Whitecaps? Or are they going to be happy to kind of do the Whitecaps game of sitting back, letting us take the game to them and then try and hit us on the counter? Well, it should be interesting because of, again, what we discussed earlier about the way the Vancouver's played most this year, right? And it looked like a little bit in this last game where they had possession and they didn't do well with it. So I wonder how much of that would come into play when, when San Jose is planning for this, saying let them have the ball because they don't do well with it. Yeah, they don't know what to do with and, it. So and, it's we'll, and we'll be able to counter them. And or we need to counter their counter. So it'll be interesting to see how they choose to, to come and approach it. But San Jose, you know, obviously has their own issues with needing to <laughs> needing to get points to make sure they're in, in the playoffs. Yeah, right, right now they're sitting in eighth on 42 points. And the way that that bottom bit is shaping up, in fifth spot you've got Houston Dynamo, played 31-43. Yeah. Dallas played 32-43. Now those two teams had been out of it, and now they've got themselves back in it having looked comfortable for for most of the year. Then you've got 42 Salt Lake, 42 San Jose, both of them with two games left. Houston, you feel it's in their own hands. But they are playing sporting in in midweek. Yeah, which could be good for us as well, because if Houston do something there... Yeah, Houston does have the extra game. But the thing is also uh, RSL and San Jose have the advantage of having more wins at this point. So they do have that tiebreaker yes. as well. So if and San Jose's tied, got their last game at home as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see there. Um, the team I'm most interested in seeing is what Dallas does, cause considering how well they were playing all year, and can they pull this up? In Houston, in a way, Houston and Dallas were top for a long lot, lot of part of the first half of the of the season. Yeah. And then they dropped. That fall's been incredible. It'd be interesting to see what happens because if they can get through that knockout stage. Um, somehow, they'll be a dangerous team because you have to travel down to Dallas at that yeah. point and then see what you can do there. More importantly, do you think LA Galaxy can get two wins so they can pass a point per game this season? I hope not. Yeah. I think they will. I think they've started to find a little bit of form as some of the players are like, ooh, we like it here in LA. We kind of better pull our finger out or we're not going to be in LA yeah. next year. Who, who do you think is going to get those two spots then? I'm going to still say Houston and RSL. I think Houston will will somehow manage, and it's hard not to pick Dallas, but I, I I'm going to go with Steve. I, th- I yeah, I'd rather I RSL. think it's partly because I'd like RSL yeah. to get in, but and I because just, you can drive there, long drive. Well, you, yeah. you can drive to all these places technically. Well, sorry, you can drive there. And well, I don't know what the roads day. are like in Texas anymore, but in theory, you can drive to all these places. You can drive to you know Salt Lake in 15 hours yeah. or whatever, and San Jose is more like 20 or whatever, but. Yeah, I've always had to stop off. Yeah. But I, if, I make two, three-day trips down there. It's nice. Well, you just try and get Slamo to go. <laughs> yeah, no. I've seen how his wife drives. I'd, I'd dread to think how he drives. Very quickly. Yeah. So, very quickly, moving on. If we look at this Sporting and the Caps, it's one and two. Then it's Portland and Seattle. Could be three, four. We don't know how that's going to go. I, 
I don't know, I think Seattle might sneak third with Portland fourth, which would then set up... Well, I mean, it's all speculation just now, but if we look at this RSL or Dallas, they could be playing Seattle, and then if we finish second, we would have Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. And, and that's going to ruin your wedding anniversary. It will. Because I think they have a pigskin game on they the do. Sunday. So that would be on Halloween. Yeah. But n- nothing can ruin a wedding anniversary, Zach. <laughs> when, when I'm the husband, Mr. Romantic, there's flowers, there's chocolates, there's me in a thong. That is all a lady needs. That is also going to be on our poster that we will be bringing out later as well. Oh, there's someone did a swim preview. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, Ryan. I, I saw you guys like that. Yeah. yeah. The fact that you added your megaphone yeah. to it was a lovely touch. Yeah. It showed a real... My body's looking better than it's been for years, <laughs> I have to say. If I did have that body, I think I could have gotten that Slovenian top a little bit better as well. <laughs> who who would you like the Whitecaps to play? Uh, like, I'm, I'm going to make a big assumption that we finish in the top two. Who would you like them to be that first round semi-final opponent? It's hard to say. Um, actually, I'm, I would hope it would be either whoever finishes five or six. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like I'd like RSL, actually. That, would, like, that I, would be I, nice. I, 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 a lot of people say, oh, it would be awesome if we could face Seattle or Portland. No. I want them out of the first round. Yeah. But why why I, do I want to see them? I don't want to face the founders because I don't want to be going to Seattle on Halloween. Well, we, we've had enough horrific moments in Seattle exactly. already this year without yeah. adding to that. So, uh, to be honest, I wouldn't. I, w- I would love if it was Portland on that Sunday and like a seven o'clock kickoff. Mm, I know that's, that's a late <laughs> kickoff. Yeah, I know it's a late kickoff, but we'll, we'll miss the show unless we do a remote one from down there. Well, we can just go up in the. Yeah, we'll go to Mixler. <laughs> we'll go up in the gantry up there. And yeah, that'd be fantastic. I, I, I'd like RSL or Houston. I, I'd be happy with that. I think we can win in Houston. I think we can take both those teams, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit cooler at that time of year, if it ever gets cooler in, in Houston. But yeah, but still there's a long way to go. We have to get there. Sa- San Jose is the team that's in the way just now. Looking a little bit then at lineups, we'll start with the big goalkeeping question. <sighs> Stefan Marinovic is going to be back, although he's going to have had a lot of travel going to Japan and back. Do you put him back in, or do you stay with Ousted? I, I have no problem with Ousted. I, I don't think he was a problem in the last game at all. Yeah, I, I think David will start, but it, it it's interesting to have this bit of a quagmire around that position yeah. f- for the the local f- you know football team. I know in the ice hockey, supposedly oh, this yeah, is ice a, a tradition. Been, yeah. yeah, it's a tradition. Lots, to, ever since I've moved here, it seems to be a goalkeeping controversy. Right. I think if Marinovic hadn't been away in New Zealand... He may have earned the start against New York. Which, I, I just, which for his sake, is probably good. He did. Yeah, well, maybe he would have played better. He could have saved all those shots. Well, yeah, except for... <laughs> yeah, it's maybe asking a lot yeah. of him with the defence that was in front of him. Yeah, I, I think it'll be ousted all the way. I really don't see them dropping him. But if he does make a mistake against San Jose, it leaves one game for Marinovic to come in in Portland and... If he plays well there, then the spot's going to be his. So the pressure's on Ousted. I think he is a player that responds well to pressure. Kendall's going to be coming back off a high. So you have to think the back four is set now with Nerwinski, Parker, Waston and Harvey or do you go with De Jong? Because there is a question mark with that as well. I would go with De Jong. Interesting. Yeah. I might be with you on that. What are you, Steve? I would Marcel go or Jordan. 
uh, in this game, I would go Marcel. I've been impressed. I, I didn't think much of Marcel de Jong before he came to the Whitecaps. I can attest to that. Yeah. Even when he was playing for the Whitecaps. Yeah, his early spell here, I just, I didn't, I didn't, the signing didn't make sense to me because I didn't think he was that good a player. He went away to the Gold Cup, took his chance there and showed what he could do. Robbo gave him his chance here when he came back and he seized it. And he has been one of the most impressive players in the second half of the season. Whether it's playing centre mid, That versatility back, is fantastic left, for him. Fullback, yeah. yeah. I, like that's the thing for young players and young Canadian guys that's wanting to make it in the game. If you can be versatile, you've got a hell of a better shot of getting on a, a team's roster. One of the things I like about him for the San Jose game is even though, and I've said this many times on the show in the past, I do not fancy him primarily as a left back, but more as a, a wide left attacking player. Yeah, like in a three-five-two. No, 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 no. Um, in the four-two-three-one wide left, I think he would be fine. But I think for this game, I think having two attacking fullbacks will be very, very helpful uh, to helping unlock locking San Jose's defense. So I, yeah, I would, I would start Marcel. Defensive midfield pairing set Chani and Gazal, despite Chani's recent form. Yeah, I think I think you um, with the, you know, the three in front of them being Jordi, obviously in the middle. Yeah, I mean, well, Jordi and Montero up top. Yeah, those wing positions. Teixeira is going to come back in. If he didn't play on Saturday, he has to come back in. It's that other position, like whether you slot Teixeira in right or left. Yeah. It, it's then who takes that other position. So you got Bola, Shea, Bini, Alfonso. Yeah, I think we can rule Alfonso out just the way that he played. Ebini showed some nice glimpses when he came on, but I think the best we're going to see from him is off the bench. So you're down to Bola, or you're down to Shea. And Bola's going to have been tired. Well, of course, he could be suspended as well, because Roe was going to appeal it, but we haven't heard whether oh, that right. appeal worked or not. Right, yes. So if he is suspended, then you're kind of left with Brick Shea then. Yeah, I heard a, lot, I heard a number of people... Appreciated his <laughs> substitute performance against Dead Bull, hmm. so maybe he did enough to to earn a spot. Yeah, I'll go with you. I'd be happy to go with you if you can't count your DP for a, a game that's going to clinch. I keep you. on forgetting he's. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> no, I think uh, Breck in the little I saw, he did. He, he was the only one that really provided anything. At, at, at I think in the if you watch the highlights, uh, he was the only one that actually provided any kind of highlight going forward for them because the ball he sent into the box it just got missed. So I think he would be a good option at this point. You got to you got to kind of see what he can give he can give you at this point. Anything else you you change from those midfielders or, or? no? I keep yeah. about the same. Oh, and I wouldn't mind seeing Nosa come off the bench in this one. See what he can do. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the game has been put to bed and we're yeah. we're kind of able to. I, I, to do that, I disagreed with what you said earlier that he should have come on against Dead Bull. I would not want to have seen Nosa in that game. No, no, the the, the game was shambolic. Why put him into a, a shambolic situation? I know you would say, oh, so you can't make it any worse, but yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't think it helps him. Looking at San Jose, it, it's not the San Jose of old. The, the <laughs> Goonie spirits is not there anymore. No. Which love it or hate it, the way that they fought to an end in matches was fantastic really and it's like all you can really want from from a team Wando's leading the scoring 12 goals then after that it's like you've got Danny Hosen's on four Marco Urena's on four Vaco who I've never even heard of is on four 
so there's not a lot of goals there. Wondolowski also leads in assists with six. So yeah. Basically, and, kick Wondolowski is the, the message for this one. And, and like with a lot of teams, he has been a nightmare for Vancouver. Yes. Historically. Yeah. So what's your predictions then going into this one? I'll go 3-1 Vancouver. I'm going to go 3-0 Vancouver. I guess I'll give just, it a four. Give it four. For, give no, it four. No, I'll say three two to Vancouver. Hmm. And, and the thing is, I was checking. I don't know if you guys mentioned that when we were doing the MLS thing. That's the table because Houston is playing Sporting. If Houston is able to get the win there, Vancouver's be playing to clinch first place. Yeah, mm-hmm. because of their the wins. They're, they're yeah. way ahead in wins in that case. So that would be fantastic. A couple of tweets just to wrap this section up. Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World says, Which is worse, watching Scotland come up short every two years or watching the Whitecaps struggle when it matters every year? <laughs> oh, struggle. Greg. They're second. They're for top place in the yeah, West. That's, it's hard that's, to that's say. That. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Greg. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Scotland. Although I've kind of got used to that. Uh, Steve, you go with the Whitecaps on that one? or <laughs> I think you will. Chris Harrop at Chris Harrop GK. He wants to know what lies in the future for Nicholas Mosquito. Do you see him back next year? He isn't a low ticket. No, you know what? If 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 Nosa is the guy that they, I think it's between him and Nosa for that spot, the backup ten spot. I think you could see him left unprotected and potentially taken in the expansion. Draft. I cannot see him. Being there's going to be there's going to be a lot on, of on players a low, on a low ticket. No, but I could see gonna... I could see him being taken and then traded I, or something. I, there's a lot of players that are going to be available. This year, like they're not going to be able to. There's going to be a lot of exposed players for Vancouver that are. Yeah, I think there's going to be a gutting of the the Caps roster. I could easily see twelve to sixteen players that's so, on that list just so, now not being here next year. So more than the usual ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, I see ten to twelve. I have ten to twelve myself. The the bigger thing about this, not the bigger thing, but connected to this, is not have. <laughs> if there's no WFC two, then. That you got you got other questions to deal with. You, it's not just the twenty eight first team players or whatever. You have those guys who you brought in to see at WFC two. Are yeah. any of them going to be moved up or not? Well, I, I know the season has been well. I so. think some will be moved up as like a, say a number four striker or a number five winger or something like that. But I, and I think uh, I think they're only going to keep about ten players from WFC two. I don't think they're going to be lo- keeping like a full squad and loaded out or anything. Like I'd be surprised. Like six to eight. I mean, yeah. the WFC2, they've not... The, the players there, there's not many of them that you're looking at them and you're thinking, yeah, they're MLS quality. I mean, I love the guys, love the team, but they're not MLS quality. Like the veterans, the veterans, like, for example, a Declan Wynn, I don't see a Declan Wynn coming back. If they get rid of Jordan Harvey... The possibility and they get rid of Marcel de Jong, which no, I don't they see might that not. No. If they keep de Jong and Levi's, then... He could be Declan's number five. not coming back. No, he could be or, number five fullback if they decide to go with five fullback. Well, he can play both that yeah. push, so yeah. he's got that as well. But, yeah, I don't know. Last tweet for this section, Angus Walker. He says, don't we want to finish top with the most points possible? A win against New York would have taken us up to third overall. Surely that gives us the most chance of hosting the MLS Cup final if we were to get that far. I genuinely wish we would finish second because of what I said. I think we'll be better in a Western Conference final on the road in the second leg. Yeah. Regardless, even if they got whatever it was, 57 points now. Yeah, but we would need the top two in the East to 
both be knocked out. Or top three. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can't see happening. It's difficult to see. Barring an amazing run by Columbus or something like that. New York. Something like that. Anyway, that is it for this section. We'll be back with more after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Talk to this the top of the show about what a heartbreaker it's been this weekend. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers there. R.I.P. Tom Petty, one of the most talented musicians, spanning decades, string of good songs. Such a shock. It's like no. Well, and the thing is, you were talking about earlier about people um, getting it right instead of getting it first. Uh, a lot of people were reporting he was already dead, even yeah. though he was still alive. And then obviously he succumbed to everything. Um, uh, I was gonna. I played this song, but I wanted to play the Traveling Wilburys uh, song. I love the handle with care, but uh, I, he didn't play too much into that yeah. song. So I thought, give no, him that, the song. that's a great song. Anyway, you're listening to AFT and Soccer Show on CIT Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. So last week we kicked off one of our new segments, Seasons talking to some Whitecaps players and coaches about what their favourite seasons are. So Jordan Harvey kicked that off, and we've got the second of those segments tonight. Sat down with residency assistant under-16 coach Robert Earnshaw, goal-scoring legend in the UK, Wales International. I could talk to him for hours. So here's Robert Earnshaw talking about his favourite seasons. What's your favourite season? Looking back at your own career, 18, 19 years in the game, when you look back at that, what, what was your favourite season that you, that you played as a pro? Oh, <laughs> uh, favourite season, wow. Um, I think uh, there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple because, uh, you know, I... I I got a lot of goals, but different levels, different, um, you know, right throughout all the different levels, especially in England. So, um, I mean, the one season that really jumps out for me is the, uh, I think it was 2002, 2003 season, uh, 2001, uh, maybe 2001, 2002, I think, um, at Cardiff City, when I, um, when I broke the, I broke the record, uh, 35 goals in a season. Uh, broke it on the last day, um, and uh, I think that that's the one that really jumps out because that's that, that was the most goals I scored, 35 in a season. Uh, I can't remember how many games, 50 games or something like that. But uh, at the time, it was it, it was it was a record that was there for so long, and um, everybody's looking at the record at Cardiff and, and saying, okay, it's, it might not it might not be beaten for a long time. Uh, so I, I set myself the challenge to to try and beat the record of uh, the most goals in one season uh, at the club. So uh, when I achieved that, that was, uh, that was amazing. I mean, that's the one that really jumps out. But uh, also, listen, I had great seasons. Um, the Premier League season uh, when I was at West Brom in 2004, 2005, uh, the, uh, the great escape uh, season with West Brom, that was, uh, oh, yeah. that was an unbelievable season because 
uh, I, and I said this the other day, is sometimes you, in football, there's, there's, different, there's different things happening with it. Sometimes it's uh, people are uh, vying for trophies. Sometimes people are vying for now Europe. Sometimes um, people are fighting for, um, for places in the table or whatever. For me, um, that season was about fighting for your life. You know, fighting for your life, but fighting to stay in the Premier League, in the top, you know. And at the time, you're talking, uh, you go into Man United, Ronaldo, Rio Ferdinand, Ryan Giggs, um, Paul Scholes, Rooney, uh, Van Nistelrooy. You know, all these people are playing for Man United. You go to Arsenal. And, you know, I remember we played Arsenal uh, that season, and uh, that's one of the games that jumps out at me. And I looked at the lineup, and I'm looking at uh, the Invincibles now. You know, at Arsenal, and it's we're playing a Highbury, and I see who, who's playing up front for him: Burkamp, Henri. Behind them is Freddie Humberg, Robert Perez, um, uh, Vieira, uh, Sol Campbell. You know, so like, you know, the the Arsenal team, the Invincibles. Yeah. You know, so you look around and thinking. That's the level. You know, you go to, uh, you know, Man City. You know, they got top stars. You know, people like Robbie Fowler, like legends of Premier League, now playing at different clubs. You know, you went to to um, Liverpool. You know, I remember Liverpool. We playing uh, Steven Gerrard's running the show. Torres was on fire. Uh, got a hat-trick against us. Uh, Xabi Alonso is coming on a sub to replace Gerrard, and, and he does the exact same thing. You think, oh, yeah, got a little breather. Gerrard's going off. Xabi uh, Alonso comes on, and, you know, he does the exact same thing, and he's running the show. So you, I think that season was, was amazing for me because, um, because I, I felt like it was... Uh, and, and I think at times the, the Premier League has gone down and levels and... Um, and, and individuals and the, and the type of players that have played in different seasons is, is not been as high. But that season, you looked around and thought, wow, like you're talking legendary players right throughout Premier League legends. You know, you go to Chelsea, Lampard, Drogba, uh, Iron Robin, like all these people are playing and you think, Hernan Crespo, like, you know, like that time. Yeah. Uh, Mourinho's in charge, but it was it was the first couple of seasons that he was in it, you know. So he's the special, special one at the time, you know. So when you when you're coming up against this and you you're like, wow, this is this is every week, and it was every week, and you're thinking, this is this is great. That season was amazing because um, we stayed up. You know, I remember we go to Man United, uh, the second from last game of the season, and we needed minimum a point, you know. And you look at the lineup, Ronaldo's playing. Skulls, Rooney, Giggs, like all these guys, Rio Ferdinand, all these guys, and you think we've got to try and get a, a point against these, you know, otherwise we're going down, <laughs> you know. So you're, you're really, really fighting for your life, you know, at, at that time. But um, but great memories because we managed to do it, we managed to stay up. You stay in the Premier League, you played against some of the best players that's ever been in the Premier League. Um, so I think those probably those two seasons really stand out, you know. How much do you, you miss being out there as a player? You, you have this record of scoring a hat-trick in all these different leagues. You mm. never managed it in MLS. Do you wish you'd kind of hung on and just added MLS to that list of leagues? <laughs> Listen, I'd be lying if I said it, if, you know, I wanted to do that for sure. Yeah, I got close a couple of times yeah. and scored a couple of, couple of goals here and there. And, but, uh, but you know what? Hat-tricks are very hard to come by. 
you know let's not let's not get hypnotized by Ronaldo and Messi right nah. now you know uh, <laughs> we haven't hard, had a lot here over the years yeah because you know hat tricks are hard to come by you know I, I've been lucky enough that I got hat tricks in in all the different leagues in in the UK everybody reminds me about the record of scoring at uh, at every level there so it's 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 amazing but for me it's it's um, goals are goals whether you score one goal a couple of goals it's uh, it's very very it's still the hardest thing like I said there's certain things that are the core of football that are always going to be there one of them the hardest thing to do in a, in a football game is score goals it's always going to be the case because that's what everybody pays the money for everybody comes to watch everybody's trying to do and it, they don't always succeed in any game in the world across the world so it's the hardest thing to do and um, uh never did it in MLS but I scored some goals in MLS yeah. so I can be thankful for that because it's um, you know whether it's one or two or three or whatever yeah that, that feeling that you have is 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 something else it's very very hard in life to to replicate something like that in front of crowds in front of different you know locations and countries and stuff so um, I, yeah it would have been nice but I'm, I'm also thankful, you know, I've had a great career, you know, I, I've, I really have and, um, lots of ups and downs and not always, uh, always on a high note and good, but it, that's, that's football, that's football, it's highs and lows and different times and good and bad and all these different things, uh, but you learn off it, you, you enjoy, uh, you, sometimes you don't enjoy certain things, but it's, um, I've had a great career, you know, I, can't, I cannot complain. You know, I'm, I always say to my friends that, uh, that you know, the, the level or to get to a pro and, and, and you see some players and I, I've played with players who played for three and four years and, and they're not playing in the game. But to play 18 and 19 years in the game, uh, there's a certain discipline that it, it can, you know, how many people are trying to play football for that long and play pro. Um, it's... It, again, very, very hard to do, and most most people don't do it. Uh, I was lucky enough to do it, so it's uh, it's uh, you know I'm very, very thankful of that. So we get a lot of different weather, obviously in Vancouver. It's beautiful at the moment, but like in general, when it's the year, like I, I like autumn. I like my fall fan. So, what's your favorite season? Favorite season for me, it's very easy. This summer, right in the middle of summer. The heat. I, I I've always loved the heat. You know, I was I was born in uh, I was born in Zambia in Africa, um, and moved to the UK when I was nine. So, my first nine years, I was in heat. I was hot weather. <laughs> you know, I, I come from a background of, of hot weather. Um, so, I, I love that. You know, yeah, I grew up in the UK, and there's a lot of rain. And you're the same. You yeah. know it. Um, the rain and as, actually it's very similar to here but here probably it's a more consistent summer but uh, I love the summer because I you know especially playing football I used to love the the summer you know people around me and and it's pre-season or or you know you go into a hot um, uh, location like for, for a game or something and and people are like oh it's gonna be hot and I was like yeah that's no problem <laughs> we're playing football the weather's nice the grass is there you know, let's yeah. go. Let's go play football. I, I've always enjoyed that. You know, the, the toughest ones I've always had is, you know, when you're like November, December and it's freezing, like especially in the UK and it's freezing and you, you're out there and you, all you're thinking about is 
I have to feel my toes today because there's yeah. 20, 25,000 people that want me to play well and I've, <laughs> I've got to make sure that I can feel my toes so I can feel the ball, <laughs> you know, like things like that. My fingers are dying and it's freezing, um, you know, muscles are freezing. So like those things, are, they're, they're hard to play in, yeah. you know, because, you know, mentally, physically, just like the coldness, it's, it's hard. And you go into a stadium, you know, and everybody says, oh, stoke away at, on a Tuesday <laughs> night. I've had those stoke away yeah. on Tuesday night and played in those, you know, and so it's, it's experiences that you uh, you go through and you think this is yeah they're tough yeah for sure you know. What's your favorite season? Now I'm pretty sure that summer's my favorite season. You've said every other season. Do you understand the season? Yes. I like the leaves of golden brown. No, that's autumn. You're a clown. I like the flowers when in bloom. No, that spring, you thick baboon. Thick baboon. Robert Earnshaw there talking about his favourite season, and he's had such a such a great career. When he rattles off all those players that he's played against, that was like a dream time. Yeah, who's who in the English yeah. Premiership, and exactly. so many of them ended up coming over here as well, which yeah. is still kind of weird to think about. But yeah, we'll be bringing you some more of those later in the year. Anyway, just before we wrap this episode up, it's time for wavelength. And it's a bit of a self-indulgent one for me. But it also applies to you, Zach, and, wait, and you, Steve. And wait, this one's self-indulgent? Yeah, just, just this one. None of the others. This is for Scottish supporters, Canadian supporters. Oh, okay. This is a song, I think, that just maybe captures the mood at, at this time of year. We're never going to win the World Cup. We know it. This song tells us that. It's by Eric. Scott 
Big belly dog, Frankie boy, where's the bot? Big belly Richard Dorf, Ali getting carried off. Big jock on such a terrible loss. Wembley, what a trip. Commentators make a sip. Twin Towers weekend, Linnickers a bell in. Your flags everywhere, Robo scores, feed the bear. Pass snaps, what a bitch, taking home the Wembley pitch. We Charlie Nick, Big Don, Pink Strip, New Striker for six little kilts make you itch. Nice pair, Alan Ruff, Chris Boyd in the huff, Gary taking dodgy stuff, Sean Maloney looking buff, Andy Gray, Scott Brown, Tartan Army hit the tune, Jinky sailing at Troon, Davy Tommy gone too soon. We'll never win the World Cup, only we can play the body Scotland Scotland in Bully, Craig Levine, what have you done with the Scotland team? Tomboy, Davy Whale, what the hell is happening here? Have a dream, another day, the World Cup is miles away. We'll never win the World Cup, only we can play the Bonnie Scotland way. We'll never win the World Cup, only we can snatch defeat from victory. Chris, what a miss, tapping army on the piss, Hamden Road, what a score, beating on the message board, crap weather, hot weather, coming down the road together, cheap beer, dodgy gear, we'll be singing, do a dear, Calderwood, Henry, Johnny, we a penalty, Robo, Paul McStay, we will qualify one day, Fletcher, Brian McClare, right is up, if you dare, flower of Scotland everywhere, the Scots are coming back for me. Cause we're gonna win the World Cup That's because we play the Bonnie Scotland way We're gonna win the World Cup When our hopes are dying we'll just keep on trying We're gonna win the World Cup Calling us no hopeless but they'll never stop us We're gonna win the World Cup No more dodgy patches, no two second matches Gonna win the World Cup That's because we play the Pony Scotland way We're gonna win the World Cup Cause the fans demand it I just can't stand it no more If you're still awake, that was Eric there With We'll Never Win the World Cup Except we will, in Canada, well America, in 2026 Sure Put your money on that now. You get good odds. If they don't, I'm going to move, leave the country and move back to Scotland. 
That's my plan anyway, but I'll, I'll just kind of say that. Wait, when you, you're not going to do that. Yeah, no, I'm thinking I'm moving back after the World Cup. What will Steve and I do? Longer 2026. But by that time, I think we'll probably have taken over Sportsnet Radio and TSN. Uh, the AFTN radio network will be in full flow in Vancouver. So you guys will be running one of the stations each. So. And it's only an so, eight-hour difference, so right now it would be 7 o'clock. Yeah. You wake up and you just join us. Yeah, we can yeah. still do okay. Mixler. Yeah, because yeah, we'd still be doing it on 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will, obviously. Because, and we'll still be doing Wavelength, and I'll have lots of songs still on football hooliganism. Anyway, just before we do go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter, at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM, and I'm part of the Movement Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter, at AFTNCanada. Give us a follow on Instagram. I should probably get some photos out there. At AFTNSoccer. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. We'll be back Sunday with more nonsense at 11 o'clock, talking about how the White Cats have clinched first in the West. You know it's going to happen. You knows it. Bye, everyone. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.